and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Scott Nye. I am David Bax. Thank you for listening. David, um, how you doing? Oh, I was going to say, you're going to ask me how I'm doing. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm doing pretty well. Uh, I'm very excited for my upcoming trip to London. Um, I guess... How many days from now until you leave? Oh, how many days from now until I leave? I have to do the math. What day? How many are you days are there on? in September? I'm leaving on Monday, and <laughs> today is Thursday. So Friday. All right. So yeah. So like uh, four days, three four days. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I'm excited about that. Uh, London listeners, I don't know. Uh, say feel free to say hi. We don't. We have. We, we're we're kind of packing it in. We have a pretty full schedule already. But um, that's the polite way of saying he doesn't have time for any of you guys. Just forget about. Well, I just it. know like Tyler, like and like bless him loves seeing listeners when he's abroad and true. um i have love for the listeners but also like you know vacation with my wife is but also vacation with my wife is like me and natalie time you yeah. know what i mean um uh but i am gonna see actually a uh a work colleague while i'm there but that's uh well, that's uh, work related. Then also, he's a guy that like, I I talk to him at least every two weeks, and he's a big movie guy. Um, I'll be I'll actually be there while the London Film Festival is going on. Um, oh. I don't think I'm going to go see any, anything because um, uh, I kind of didn't realize that until late until too late, and like all the stuff I want to see is sold out already, or is stuff that I saw at TIFF. There's a lot of that. I bet, yeah. Um, uh, I did really want to see um, the new. Do you say Catherine Brillet? Brillat? I, I Man, don't know I've been name. wrestling with that quite a yeah. bit. But her new movie last summer is playing, and as of today, there are still tickets. So that's one I might think about uh, trying to see at the London Film Festival. Well, it just got announced for AFI Fest, too, if you missed it there. Okay. Yeah, I did just see that that email came through with the announcement, but I haven't. Uh, I haven't looked at it. I had a busy, very busy work day today. It is a solid lineup, I gotta say. Hey, you know who else had a busy work day uh, today? And no. yesterday? Uh, writers. <laughs> some uh, of them, anyway. Yeah. yeah. Some are right back into it. Yeah. 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 They went back to work, I think, yesterday as of this recording. This move, this episode is coming. Oh, hey, look, we're doing this 15. How long have we been doing this? 16 years? Almost 17? <laughs> we don't record, you know, it's not live. So, anyway. yeah. Um, yeah, the writers are back to work, and uh, we're very happy for them. And still, um, I, I think uh, you're you're all you're definitely more keyed into industry stuff than I am. I think. Um, do you think the resolution of the writers' strike means the resolution of the actors' strike will come soon? Well, that's because what people are saying. Sort of a framework, kind of established yeah that's that was kind of the instant read on the situation i think in the days since some more articles have been like well the actors do have a lot of requirements that the writers don't like they are looking for protections for background actors and stunt performers and i from my perspective i would say there's probably more incentive on the studio side to try to get fewer protections around ai for the actors because like you know, scripts cost money and script development costs money. At the end of the day, they they would have had to hire writers no matter what they could do with AI to generate viable, copyrightable movie scripts. But the cost um, analysis on like hiring background actors compared to just generating them infinitely, um, that I could see them being more protective of. So that might take some more... Um, Mm -hmm. uh, argument on the side of SAG and I hope they win that case because one, I just hate CGI crowds. You know, I'm over it. Um, it was, you know, novel and interesting when they did it in Gladiator and like the Lord of the Rings movies, but now that they do it for like every movie, it's like, I want to see some people back there. Yeah, I um, agree. You know what else I hate? This has nothing to do with no, there's no fine. there's no fire union, but I'm so sick <laughs> of CGI yeah. fire and explosions in movies. Yeah. Uh, I am right there with you. I, it was one of the things that didn't bother me at all. And then suddenly bothered me so much. Um, but I just saw, um, all dirt roads, taste of salt, which uh. has an excellent real fire in it. And it's a very low budget movie too. And I'm like, eh, they really burned that house to the ground. Um, yeah, I love that. Like, um, 
uh, uh, Pedro LeFou has like a car blow up at the end. And I watched, you know, I watched that oh, yeah. uh, a year or two ago. I was like so excited. And then I watched um, for our James Caan episode, I watched uh, Comes a Horseman, which is not a great movie, but it does end with an entire house burning down. And it's awesome. Yeah. Totally. Um, we, Julie and I revisited a couple of years ago, um, the mask of Zorro, which I hadn't seen like since it came out and they have a gigantic explosion at the end of that movie. That is so joyful to watch. Oh yeah. The, um, uh, there's an explosion in spy game. Um, that's, uh, uh, really cool. And they actually like, uh, I don't know what that was back. The spy game was back when I used to watch like all of the DVD special features. And there was like yeah. a little, a little feature I just about this huge explosion they did in, in spy game. So yeah. Blowing shit up. It's worth it. Yeah. It's one of the things that did that movies that's supposed to happen in movies. I know that's what we're supposed to blow up and burn. Yeah. Um, they have that at the Lemley theaters, they have that like little pre-show thing where they're like trailers may include, and they have like a bunch of jokey things, like all the best lines. And one of them is huge explosions. And I'm like, not anymore guys. You know, (laughs) if if trailers could promise you more big explosions, that'd be, that'd be great. But, uh, Yeah. Not a fair joke anymore. The nineties, it was topical humor. Now you just look outdated. Okay. Um, so the, back to the, the, the point strike. is the writers, it's by all accounts really got every, everything they asked for with very minor compromise. Um, as a direct result of how much how long they were striking. A lot of people were pointing out that studios could have gotten way more over on the writers if they just settled this back in May. So good for the writers for getting more out of it as a result of their sacrifice. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, uh, we're very happy for the writers and, and we continue to hold out hope for the actors. Absolutely. Um, before we go any further, I want to tell you about, I want, I want to tell you about tweakedaudio.com. Tweakedaudio.com is where you go for professional quality earbuds in a variety of stylish styles and colorful colors. They look great. They sound great. Uh, I use them each and every day of my life. This morning, actually, I was, I was listening to uh, the kind of surprise new ep from zach bryan uh country singer songwriter zach bryan who just had the following album come out a month ago and then he surprise dropped this uh uh what like six five or six song ep called boys of faith uh and it's great and zach bryan's great because i love that like first and foremost he right he makes great music on top of that he also seems just like an awesome guy like um, he like, unlike a lot of country artists, he, uh, after the, after the whole Bud Light thing, he came out as very like pro, uh, with a very pro trans, uh, uh, statement. Then he recently, um, got arrested for mouthing off to a cop, which is cool <laughs> in my book. Uh, yeah. and then, um, along with like the, I, I can't remember what social media, uh, it, it was, um in which he announced this ep he also posted a picture of his new cute dog so like that's great th- th- he's just a great guy and his music's great and it sounded great on my tweakedaudio.com earbuds that are available at a low low price at tweakedaudio.com but if you use the offer code pretension at checkout you get one third off that low low price and no shipping charges so please go to tweakedaudio.com and use the offer code pretension If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cashback on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cashback. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashback debit. Discover Bank member FDIC. Scott. Hello. We're, we're back. Thank God. We're ready to get into this uh, uh, topic. Hopefully I don't get too distracted by looking out the window. What's uh, out the window? At, at the, there's a park with people. Do you uh-huh. understand what I'm saying? I could be, I could be watching wow. these people. Sure, uh, sure, sure. In, in the park, they wouldn't. Now. They wouldn't even know that I'm watching them. Uh, now, this was your idea, um, and we were going to talk about movies. Well, we're going to talk about voyeurism. Yeah. Movies about voyeurism, or just voyeurism as a topic. Um, in our day-to-day like, day I, lives, watching people in the park. <laughs> but I mean, I, I made a, uh, I went, I made a list of movies to talk about. What I realized is like, 
I think this is, I think I'm, uh, uh, a neophyte on this topic. It seems like when I, like whenever I would look up movies, like list people's movies, people list people, people made best movies about voyeurism. That's, that's where I usually start with doing sure, sure. You know, research for one of these. Uh, there were a ton of like blind spots or movies that I had seen where I was like, huh, I hadn't really thought about that aspect mm. of it. So maybe this isn't, I don't know. It just isn't one of my pet themes. Well, what's an example of a movie that you had seen, but hadn't really thought about that way. Oh, see, now you're putting me on the spot and now I can't. Well, you're the one who brought it up. I, I know. Um, uh, yeah. I don't know why this is even, um, because I don't think you've seen it, but Kim Ki Duck's bad guy was on the on on one of the movie lists, and um, um, and I hadn't thought about that aspect of it, even though when I went back and looked at the plot synopsis of Bad Guy, I was like, oh yeah, a part of the movie is not only that this bad he's he, the the film is not just cleverly titled; it's about a really bad guy. Whoa, um, huge if true. Uh, and, uh, I mean, you know, it's a Kim Ki-duck movie, so it's very, uh, upsetting. And then also like later uh, sexual misconduct allegations against Kim Ki-duck make it anyway, uh, even more uncomfortable bad guy. Part of the plot is that he kidnaps a woman and forces her into prostitution, but I forgot that he also watches her while she's, um, engaged in these Mm forced in this forced sex work and that's just one of those examples of like yeah oh yeah i guess that is a part of that movie but maybe voyeurism just isn't a pet topic for me i guess i think it is for me looking over the list of films i came up with i I thought of this because i rewatched um visconti's death in venice which is such an incredible movie on so many levels Mm -hmm. um but which is about um a kind of aging composer played by dirk bogard um whose name i always want to insert in earlier are into um i always want to say borgard for some reason and i've <laughs> tripped on that a couple of times and julie's like what are you talking about um but no dirk bogard um who's taking as style suggests a vacation in venice when he spots um a young teenage boy with whom he becomes obsessed and he just starts like watching him at all turns um and it's nice and creepy but not in an over the line kind of way it's just like this guy is very lonely and messed up um but is kind of a different tag on the voyeurism angle. Cause like a lot of these will find, you know, are either people watching people that then commit acts of violence or the person watching them commits an act of violence. Like there always seems to be a violent conclusion um, or aspect to voyeuristic films. I mean, the most famous of course being rear window, which you can't get away mm-hmm. from a topic like this, um, which is one of those movies that like, I, of course, like love the first time I saw it, which would have been, I think my senior year of high school is the first time I saw Rear Window. Um, and then I kind of cooled on for a while. And then I rewatched it a few years ago at the era, which one, of course, plays great with a crowd on a big screen. Um, but it's cool to pick up after a couple of viewings, how like all the people he's watching kind of represent different parts of him too. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like a more interior portrait than the like, outline might suggest um and then you get like all the kind of variations on like the blow up scenario of Mm -hmm. like person witnesses a murder through a recording of some kind so that and the conversation and blow out and i was trying i feel like there's another one like those that's more recent but i couldn't think of what it was Uh, kimmy is probably what you're thinking of yes kimmy is exactly what i'm thinking of um a couple things uh i assumed I didn't know that you had watched or rewatched Death in Venice. Um, I assumed uh, something that's been going around Twitter uh, uh, for some reason is um, Orson Welles' hot take about how bad Rear Window was. Okay. Um, I don't know if you said it. I thought that maybe that was why, because he, he says it's like, I can't remember the exact quote, but um, his criticism of Rear Window is that it's uh, the least interesting take on voyeurism you could make. <laughs> <laughs> we can see uh, that from a certain perspective i don't know I don't, I don't feel the need to always try and see where orson wells was coming sure. from with his uh i mean sometimes um sometimes he's spot on like when he talks about how much he i don't know if you know that famous thing about how he uh hates woody allen um, oh yeah 
that, that the, is so spot on. Yeah. The, the mixture of arrogance and timidity. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Uh, the other thing I, I didn't know, I haven't seen death in Venice. I didn't know what it was about. Um, and I don't know if this guy's been, you reminded me, have you ever seen a movie called love and death on long Island? No. Um, I don't think I've heard of it. Oh, okay. Um, so it's, um, John Hurt. I had to look it up. I couldn't remember who it was, but it's John Hurt and Jason Priestley. Um, and, uh, John Hurt is like a, uh, retired, like college professor and very much an intellectual. And he goes to see, he goes to see a film that's like an adaptation of some great novel. I can't remember what it's supposed to be, but he accidentally goes on the wrong theater and watches, uh, and sits down and, and watches a, um, uh, like a teen sex comedy starring Jason, uh, an actor played by Jason Priestley. Yeah. I'm seeing that um, the title within the film is hot pants college too. Yeah. Yeah. So um, yeah. John Hurt, whose character is, I guess, gay or bisexual, or whatever becomes obsessed with this actor and like meets him and mm. pals around with him. But I, I don't know. You're the idea of like an older lonely guy <laughs> becoming obsessed with a younger uh, male yeah, you're not the only uh, one who thought of this because it's the similarity in the title. Yeah, yeah. The story, the Wikipedia entry says the storyline of obsession somewhat resembles that of Death in Venice. So there, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I had no idea, but um, I remember liking Love and Death on Long Island. But, it looks uh, really cool. I really want to see it now. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I kind of broke down into three loose, very loose sections. Okay. Um, the first is like. I just did the first two I just did by gender because I was curious if I could find that many films that had female voyeurs and I, I actually came up with way more than I expected to. Um, okay. So I've got a list of ones from a male perspective then from a female perspective and then a third section of films about people who are being watched because um, there's two sides of course to the voyeurs and coin one right. is doing the watching and the other is being on the receiving end of that. Um, I don't know if there's other kind of trends that you noticed. Uh, I guess what I was thinking a, a lot about is um, how important is it to voyeurism that the person who's being watched doesn't know they're being watched? That's kind of the big divide, I think, that I had. I think it's pretty key unless they're participating in some kind of, I guess it doesn't have to be erotic necessarily, but some kind of like exchange where okay. they're well, like, that's... I'm still going to go off on my and do my regular life, and you're watching, and that's cool. Yeah, if that's that kind of because uh, one of the one of the things that kept coming up on lists, and I eventually put it just to talk about this topic, is sex lies and videotape, in which like, oh sure, these women are up, they're volunteering these these interviews, but it still feels voyeuristic that he's like getting off on uh, peering into their lives, but not interacting. I think not interacting is a big part of the voyeurism yeah for sure um there has to be an, an element of remove and like but not all the way like for a time because like peeping tom has you know he's at a remove until he's not well yeah um, i guess that's what i'm saying is that like it, there are violent clashes eventually for a lot of yeah. these but um, and then also with the tooth fairy in, in manhunter and and red dragon i've never actually seen red dragon but um the the tooth fairy the killer the serial killer who hates being called that he's right. the great red dragon um he watches these families for a good amount of time um before and then he takes pictures after i've my biggest blind spot at the moment is that i've never seen manhunter um no been on my list forever all right i've got a blu-ray if it's not uh, if you oh, if only i was seeing you before you left town mm. Yeah, I have a Blu-ray that's called it's a three it's a triple disc Blu-ray. It's called the Hannibal Lecter Collection. It's Manhunter, Silence of the Lambs, and Hannibal. Um anyway. I've actually never seen any of the post Silence of the Lamb stuff either. I've only seen Silence of the Lambs and the TV show Hannibal. I haven't seen Red Dragon I've seen Han Hannibal or Hannibal Rising. Yeah, I always forget that Hannibal Rising even existed, but I've seen yeah, Hannibal and um you and I recently on a Patreon that hasn't aired yet, uh, patreon.com slash battleship retention. If you want to hear this conversation, um, we're comparing the careers of, of Tony and Ridley Scott. And it yeah. got me wanting, it got me wanting to rewatch Hannibal among other, uh, Ridley Scott's from that sort of 
mid-career period when I kind of wasn't, I was seeing movies at a time that I probably wasn't as sophisticated a viewer as I am now. Oh, sure. Yeah. So yeah, I think I'd like to rewatch Hannibal. Yeah. Um, you're mentioning, um, whether or not people know they're being watched got me thinking about film on my list, which I hadn't thought of at first, but kind of just more, I was digging in this topic. It made sense, which was Christopher Nolan's following, um, where it's you know, the, the premise of the film is that this guy just starts following people and eventually he gets noticed following, but the film starts in t- classic Christopher Nolan fashion, doubling back on itself. And part of it is revealed that some of the people he thought he was following without being known they had known he was following them the whole time and it's part of this whole like entrapment procedure they enact against him um so that's kind of an interesting reversal on the premise hmm. um I'm trying to think of if there's other ones here well american beauty turns into she knows she's being watched and that's kind of like the exchange part i was talking about where like um she starts enjoying that aspect of it hmm. um yeah i forgot about that too yeah right yeah, there's often, obviously, there's often a sexual aspect. Yes. To these. And in some definitions of voyeurism, that kind of requires a sexual aspect, which I didn't narrow my list down that far to yeah. just be about the sexual aspect, but that's definitely like a huge part. I mean, especially when you're talking about the um, male centric point of view stuff here, because like I've got, um, well, I know you haven't seen it, but Tony's got Stasia Vu. Isn't explicitly sexual although they do touch on it but it's about denzel washington falling in love with this woman by seeing her back when she was alive she's dead at the start of the movie and it's time travel thing etc etc um Um, speaking of the sexual thing there's a couple movies that come to mind that have to do with uh snuff films there's obviously eight eight millimeter um yeah which i've not seen uh it's not that great again i have the blue i have it on blu-ray though (laughs) (laughs) it's not great movie yeah uh but i'm saying if you're gonna watch it at least i have a point right there um but then a movie that i have sung the praises of before on this podcast uh vacancy the the little uh uh the uh slick little uh grimy uh horror flick with luke uh luke wilson oh god who is that can sell is that yeah is it it really i'm pretty sure or or it's michelle monahan Let's um, see. But I think you're right. I think it is. Yeah, just keep back and sale. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, they check into a motel and and they find tapes and they realize that like this motel has a history of like filming couples mm. checking in and having sex and then coming in and murdering them while the camera is still running. <laughs> um, that took a turn. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously, motels are tied up to Psycho. There's a voyeuristic aspect there because he's got like the hole in the wall cut out and he specifically checks. Um, I think I think of her name, Marion Crane, into the room where he can spy on her. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, did you see? I can't believe I forgot about this. I, well, I can't believe because it's not that great a movie. There's a documentary on Netflix, like 2017, it's saying called Voyeur. Okay. And it's about a guy who actually, like, owned a motel and built a whole um, way for him to spy on people. He basically like put holes in the ceilings and then built a walkway and a door and everything um, and spent like just decades just watching people. Oh, wow. So that Uh, backstory folds into um, uh, what the hell is that movie called it? Did I write it down? Bad times at the El Royale. Um, No. That is it's that exact same kind of premise forms like the backbone of that. I mean, there's a bunch else going on in that movie, but um, the idea of yeah having kind of a back crawl space behind every room that you can walk between and record from um, is part of that movie as well. Hmm. I didn't know that. I, I never saw that. It's pretty um, good. Yeah, that's what that's what people say. Yeah. Uh, all right. Um, I feel like I had one more motel one on here. Oh yeah, my, one of my very favorite movies from the past ten years is Angelina Jolie's By the Sea. Um, 
she and Brad Pitt are like this extravagant couple going on this lavish vacation. Well, not lavish. They're pointedly going there because they're super depressed and pissed off at each other. But it's in a very like remote, exotic locale because Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie know these things. Um, But she ends up discovering a hole in their room that looks into another room where a young couple on their honeymoon is checked in and she kind of like gets off on spying on them. And then it becomes like a thing the two of them bond over to like re uh kindle their romance uh which is very fun and twisted um you well you remind, remind me now that i completely forgot there was a movie just a few years ago and i can't remember exactly which one it was because wasn't there like i mean tyler and i joked about it there was a series of horror movies in a row and i think this one was called the rental but then there was also like the there was the beach house obviously but there were all these like real estate type of okay um i think this one was called the rental um and it's is that the one that dave franco directed oh yes i know what movie we're talking about now yeah it's it's not great uh sure. movie but it is um uh it does have a good twist that i wish i could spoil but uh it's basically about a, a group of two couples who uh rent a vacation airbnb i mean i don't think they used for legal reasons i don't think they call it an airbnb in the movie sure yeah um and then um find uh hidden cameras all over the place and uh things go haywire and people die and uh and stuff anyway well that reminded me of one that came to mind but didn't really qualify which like barbarian for most of the first half i was like clearly someone spying on these people but that's not really the case of what's going on there yeah it's kind yeah. of a fun misdirect yeah that's true that's true um there are other I was curious if there are other rental property type things in here where like someone's installed the whole system. Um, not that I'm seeing. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, there's of course, like I was, I was wondering whether or not you'd consider like surveillance to be sort of a voyeuristic thing. Um, because there's not explicitly like somebody getting off on watching the person but there is like it kind of feeds into the same sense of being watched and um having a privacy invasion for somebody else's gain um so it's kind of like a at least a related thing yeah uh, you know because one i didn't put it in my list because i wasn't sure if surveillance counted but um the documentary all light everywhere uh from mm. like 2020 2021 which is about it's an entire documentary about surveillance but from like drone cameras or police like body worn cameras and uh and all of this stuff uh, a lot of the movie i think is interested in how um the way images are captured there's a you know there's a famous saying that the camera doesn't lie and i think the main point of all i had everywhere is uh, that's absolutely not true and <laughs> every image is in some way uh altered and shaped by the person who took it or the person who created mm. the uh the apparatus for taking the the picture uh it's a really really great documentary yeah i mean the ones that came to mind most prominently were of course enemy of the state the will smith movie um right where he's under surveillance for most of the film and that is of course like always discussed as an unofficial sequel to the conversation because they use so much of the iconography of um, mm-hmm. Gene Hackman in certain dress and kind of his behavior and his history kind of lines up with that character. Um, yeah. He's, the, has a, he has a similar name too. That's right. It's, it's I think it's still Harry, but I think the last name is slightly different. Well, what's is it Harry Brill in the conversation? It's Harry Call in the it's Harry Call in the Okay, so I think it's Harry Brill in okay. Enemy of the State. Yeah, that that feels right. Um, okay. Yeah, you are correct. Oh, no, it says it's, it's Edward Brill. Oh, Edward Brill. Okay. I'm looking it up. Well, we were both okay. wrong in Perfect. some ways. And both um, the one I always uh, want to throw props to, though, is a Czech New Wave film called The Ear, um, which is about a like Communist Party official who um, he and his wife are coming back from a party and they're having a big fight and slowly it kind of turns towards her criticism of his job and he's like trying to get her not to talk about that because he knows his entire house is bugged um and it's a really really good film about like life under communism and all that um and also just like a great marital drama um but definitely gets at the feeling of like yeah 
you're you're being watched you know it and there's nothing you can do about it because <laughs> so many of films about being watched are like about them eventually overthrowing it you know enemy of the state has that um one of my favorite films mm-hmm. from last year watcher totally does that as well um but the year is like that's that's great that you know that uh that's still going to keep happening there's no beating the system um and sometimes i think that comes into play too even when it's not like a state entity um like hanukkah's cachet has a little bit of that where like at the end you're still like all right i feel like that's not completely resolved yet um yeah i can't as I, i've never seen cachet um, oh i thought you I had think. for some reason i thought it was a big favorite of yours uh no actually see this is the you're showing me how little you listen to me on the fun game episodes on the patreon uh yeah. again patreon.com slash battlefield attention here and there um i have a uh, uh we play this th- we do this thing called the fun game where we just like take turns naming movies and trying to like recall the circumstances when we first saw them and i think you named cachet and i had a good story about not seeing cachet but you can <laughs> go to the patreon for that all right perfect. it's a very la story I've already uh, and, forgotten it. So yeah, I will listen yeah. to the Patreon as well. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I, we um, we kind of uh, blew past Blow Up, but that was one of the first ones I thought of, uh, are largely because it's a movie that I had never seen until very recently. I saw it mm. earlier this summer, maybe spring, um, when... Uh, the Los Feliz 3 was showing a 35 millimeter print a bunch of times. They showed it multiple times. That feels times. familiar, yeah. And I, I went to a matinee um, and, and saw it. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I was actually absolutely blown away by by Blow Up. A uh, um, couple things about that. This, is, this will be a taste, into, uh, a taste of what a fun game is like, just stories about seeing a movie. Yeah. Um, first, it was weird to see that like so shortly before Jane Birkin died because I was like, oh, sure. That was like what, like a career making role for her. Um, but also, okay, so I went to the movie. I got a seat, sat my like, I think I, I, I had like a sweatshirt in case it got cold, and I had a cap and my sunglasses, and I set them on the seat. And then I went to the bathroom and I came back out and this girl had moved my stuff over one seat so that she and her brother could sit together. Okay. Now, obviously if I had been there, I think I'm okay with her doing that <laughs> because if, <laughs> yeah, I had been the there, I, if I had been there, I would have been like, Oh, of course. Yeah. You should be able to yeah, sit yeah. Next, to, next to your brother. But if she, hadn't taken the initiative to do that herself she wouldn't have had the opportunity to sit next to her brother or she would have had to like wait till i came back which who knows when that's going to be like when right when the movie starts or whatever i feel like i'm okay with it but it also was just weird yeah that's a little privacy itself um yeah yeah you said he was hat jacket sunglasses yeah yeah sweatshirt but sure sure nothing nothing too intimate then yeah Trying to think if there's something I would leave behind on a seat that I wouldn't want somebody to touch. Maybe a water bottle. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's like, I don't know what part of the bottle they grabbed in order to uh, <laughs> do that. Yeah. Uh, uh, I told you about okay. the time, right? That somebody like fully moved my stuff off the seat and did not leave me any other recourse. Yeah. You told me that and uh, makes me mad when I think yeah. about it. It was, uh, I was pretty irate. Um, uh, but yeah, anyway, um, uh it's interesting i was saying earlier that like voyeurism doesn't seem to be one of my pet themes but sometimes it overlaps with obsession which is for sure you know and so certainly to the like blow up conversation kimmy i've never seen blowout uh unfortunately but uh those overlap with tales of obsession you know yeah. and in in rear window uh, as well um and uh uh so yeah that uh, that's a big part of it and that brings me to uh a great movie that Tyler and I talked about we once um back before the profile episodes were tributes to people who had passed away um we did a profile episode on the films of Patrice Leconte and we discussed Monsieur 
Hiray. Yeah. Spelled like higher, but like Hiray. Yeah. That was um, on my list as well. I, I love that movie so much. Um, and that's kind of like what you're talking, what we were talking about earlier with like love and death in long Island or death in Venice of like the voyeur being sympathetic, you know, like it's, it's like on the one hand, it's clearly he's like a creep and he's invasion, invading Sandrine Bonaire's uh, privacy. Might've been the first movie I ever saw with Sandrine Bonaire in it actually. Um, but anyway, uh, he's clearly like invading her privacy, but also he's such a like lonely, sad sack that we kind of feel bad for him. Right. And like the whole thing about that, right. It's been a while since I've seen it, but isn't it the deal where like, does she get killed or does no, she doesn't get killed. Somebody else gets killed. Um, so, but something happens and, and like suspicion falls on him, but pretty much because nobody really knows who he is. And he just seems a little right. weird. No. Yeah. Um, yeah, someone else gets killed and he's being investigated. But I also think, is there a thing where he, because he's spying on her, he's able to, like, save her? That sounds familiar, too. Which is actually of just a tiny plot point, but in Kimmy, there's, like... Yeah. the movie, This movie about voyeurism, but we learn later in the movie that this other creep <laughs> <laughs> has been spying on Kimmy the entire movie and is able to save her life because of it. Yeah. 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 Um, that kind of tips me off into, well, I, I was wondering if you would, I guess this kind of falls under surveillance as well, but minority report is about, you know, watching people and trying to prevent uh, violent things from happening to them at the last minute, basically. Yeah. 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 Um, another one that just came to mind wasn't on my list. Uh, but speaking of like sci-fi ish things, uh, possessor, um, Oh yeah. That's it has one. people occupying other, other people's bodies, but also, Christopher Abbott, I don't know who Christopher Abbott's character, his job is he works for like a like a Microsoft or Google or whatever, and uh they use their devices to spy on people's homes, and his entire job is to like learn about what products people have in their homes. Right. <laughs> so they can tailor like tailor to that customer or whatever, but he's also like watching people have sex, but there's also like, there's rules about how long he's allowed to look at one shot before he goes on. So his job is essentially like chat roulette. Yeah. <laughs> it's just random. Every like 40 seconds is a random uh, thing. And sometimes it's just an empty room and sometimes it's an erect penis. Yeah. It happens. If you watch the uncut version, oh, um, as you should. Uh, yeah. I don't, but I don't know. Like, um, Tyler, I know Tyler watched Infinity Pool on Hulu, but I don't know if that's the uncut version or not. Um, because I, I I saw it at Sundance, so I definitely saw the uncut version. Yeah, I think I watched it on Hulu as well, and I feel like it's not the uncut version, as I recall, because I I think I looked up the time difference between the two, and I think the theatrical time cut or time the length was on with lens on there. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, I don't know for sure what was. Uh, um, what was cut but i'm guessing the one on hulu maybe doesn't have the close-up of a penis ejaculating i don't remember that no yeah. that uh, is not ringing a bell <laughs> yeah so that might be just in the, <laughs> the the cut i saw at sundance well the lucky few i suppose um speaking of like sci-fi-ish versions that i also was thinking of some like straight up fantastical versions of this same kind of idea um most prominently in like last night in soho where um Thomas McKenzie is going back in time, but like taking possession of another person's body, but not in a way she can control. She's pretty much like a passenger along for the ride and just watching her go through all this. Um, and certainly at the beginning, like the pleasure she takes in becoming this other person is, and kind of watching her life yeah. is a big part of that movie. Um, oh, so I should have thought of being John Malkovich as well. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, and then also the idea, uh, another fantastical version. I'm sorry to to bring up a movie I, I know you uh, despise, oh. absolutely, but uh, not really. I think you just don't like it. Uh, Alex Garland's Ex Machina. Yeah, yeah, it's okay. But the idea of like someone creating something just to like watch it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like there's got to be other. I know. I was just trying to of, think of, of that of that sort of thing. Yeah, I mean the other fantastical ones that came to mind. Um, the Eyes of Laura Mars is a really trippy 
seventies film about a woman who just starts seeing murders happen um, before they happen, but it, there's no real like explanation or like curse that was put on or whatever. It's just like this great fantastical premise. And then one I know you love and which is, it's kind of borderline as far as like this idea goes, but it's, it's worth mentioning Selene and Julie go boating where every oh, time they yeah. go into this house, they're like seeing this whole elaborate drama play out and they get like yeah. completely addicted to it. Yeah. I forgot about that. That's so, man, that movie is so good. It's so good. Um, yeah. Yeah. And uh, that's like, I mean, that kind of gets to like, I think the core of what a lot of the pleasure of voyeuristic movies are is because like, essentially that's like what we're going to the movies for. We go to the movies to innocently watch people do stuff. Um, and so I think the reason that voyeurism is such an inherently cinematic subject is because that's what we're all doing anyway. And yeah, that's pretty Selena Julie go boating is, you know, Rivette, of course, being a gigantic cinephile, he was reportedly like one of the last of the French New Wave to regularly attend programs at the French Cinematheque. Um, you know, I, th I think that's kind of baked into the premise there. Uh, well, that puts me in mind of document a couple of documentary-ish things. Well, one is a documentary, Camera Person. Um, the documentary. Oh, sure, yeah. Uh, and then also, have you watched How To with John Wilson on HBO? No, I know of it, but um, I haven't watched it. I haven't watched this most recent season. I'll, I will absolutely get to it. Um, but, uh, like, they're both, I mean, Camera Person is a little more overtly about this, um, but they're both told from the point of view of people who only seem comfortable interacting with the world through a camera mm. um and uh, i think that's a big like how to how to with john wilson is hilarious and people who like comedy like it but i've noticed a lot of cinephiles really like how to with john wilson oh, yeah. and i think it's it's because so much of it is about um uh this guy's obsession with recording uh images and, and and moments and also uh as we learn as it goes on, on meticulously cataloging uh all of his recordings mm. um yeah it's a uh, really fascinating stuff and i guess it would count as a documentary series but it's also and it's it's so good how to john wilson is so good everyone i'm sure it. it is yeah um trying to think i was trying to think if i had any like recording based ones i mean i guess the closest is like the truman show which is another like uh -huh. not being watched but is also about like the inherent voyeuristic tendencies of most of humanity um you know as kind of exemplified in the reality tv boom that was sh shortly start thereafter um but which the truman show really makes much more the subject of itself uh isn't Sorry to go into television again. Yeah. And I never, I didn't really watch this. I watched the first episode just to talk about it on my old podcast. Uh, hey, watch this with Paul Goble and me. Um, Under the Dome. I feel like yeah. it, the idea is a small town in Maine because it's Stephen King and inexplicably a clear dome. An invisible dome exists over the, city, the the town. No one can can leave. Uh, there's still you know air is coming in and out. Of everything. I guess it's porous enough, but like everyone's trapped under the the entire city is trapped or t town is trapped under this dome. And I feel like I read that in the novel the uh, reveal is that it was something like that aliens did to this town just to see what would happen. Okay. Yeah, so that's that's a kind of alien vo voyeurism. Sure. Um, yeah, I wonder how long they have been watching us. Yeah. Okay. So, like, I feel like we're all just like chill with the fact that they're aliens now. <laughs> I feel like in an earlier time this would have been a much bigger deal, but now we're just like, ah, sure. Yeah, it just seems likely. Right, but like, there's been all this new documentation that's come out, right. and right. like freaking mexican officials revealing those like weird maybe fake but who can say like alien corpses did you see that uh i read that headline i, I didn't see it have you not seen the images they're uh, um, no i haven't they're like they're almost like stereotypically alien to the fact to the extent that like well maybe somebody just made those but at yeah. the same time like there's been all this new documentation around ufos that uh basically confirms it have you watched No One Will Save You or whatever it's called? No, I'm I, I saw you were maybe middling on it on Letterboxd. 
Yeah, I, I, a lot of people were talking about it, and I watched yeah. it. I'm glad, I'm glad I watched it before I learned too much because I don't know if you know what the. I don't say if it's the, no, you know what the central like hook of the movie is, but no, and don't tell me because I've been yeah. meaning to get to it. I'm sure I will soon. Yeah, um, it's a good hook, uh, but the movie itself is, I don't know, it doesn't do that much with it, but worth yeah. watching, I would say. Yeah. Okay. Um, what about? I don't even know if this counts. Does it count as voyeurism if it's forced voyeurism? Well, now we're going to talk about it either way because I'm curious where this is coming from. Have you seen Dario Argento's opera? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know if I'd count it, but uh, opera is a cool movie that people should definitely watch. Yeah, there's a killer who's, obs- again, that's obsession, like with yeah. Death in Venice and everything. Um, uh, he's obsessed with this opera singer, and he keeps like attacking her, tying her up, and then forcing her eyes open through a, uh, a very ingenious, in, uh, yeah, in <laughs> the most uncomfortable contraption I've ever had to witness for an extended period yeah. of time in a movie. Yeah, um, and then killing her like friends and coworkers and castmates in front of her and forcing yeah. her to watch. Uh, what a great movie! Yeah. Uh uncomfortable i saw that with a crowd and like everybody was just like uh, oh god why <laughs> um i feel like i had a couple more good horror ones on the list well we recently talked about this i think maybe on the patreon but i know we did last summer um is essentially about these kids being watched for what they did and seen uh possibly doing more um let's see oh slumber party massacre um oh, i've never seen that one. Oh man you dig it the most yeah that's what i hear the you know the warriors of mass effect is, isn't huge it's you know basically a stalker premise but it goes on long enough um throughout the titular slumber slumber party where um he's just getting away with shit because he has like a keen eye on how to spy on them mm. um I, I weirdly couldn't come up with a ton of erotic thrillers even though it seems like there'd be more of them um but i well, can't yeah i mean well, I don't know. I, maybe I'm going to take one because I haven't even seen this movie. Have you seen Sliver? Yes, that was one of the first ones yeah, I that, mentioned. That's the one that came up on a bunch of lists, and it's in. Um, I, I don't. I, I know I talked about it in the movie journal. I can't remember if I talked about it on the show. Um, there's a new documentary called "We Kill for Love" that's about right. erotic thrillers. It's mostly. It's more specifically about direct-to-video erotic thr- thrillers from like the late '80s to mid '90s, um, but it includes some of the how uh, the um hollywood stuff too and i i hadn't re- i i had no real i kind of remember that silver was a movie but i didn't really realize what it was about and and uh yeah there's a lot of shots of security footage and stuff in, yeah in there the basic premise of sliver is that sharon stone moves in this new apartment building in the opening scene we see another woman who looks so much like sharon stone that i was like is that sharon stone until she gets killed and i'm like probably not sharon stone um <laughs> but then sharon stone moves into her apartment not knowing the history of what had just happened there and slowly we come to realize that somebody's watching her it has two major liabilities the first is that the like guy who's clearly the one watching her and who she's in like a kind of combatively erotic relationship with is billy baldwin who is not convincing as terribly erotic um and the Mm. others that the ending is awful and not surprisingly i read it's a result of like test audience stuff that they just like rejected the original idea and so they just come up with a total shrug of an ending but sharon stone's so good in that movie um and the rest of it is like really thrilling it's directed by philip noise so it's like got a lot of really good tension and definitely it has kind of a bad reputation but i think it's a really solid movie um and then the other one in the same kind of vein that came to mind was uh one that was featured on the criterion channels kind of big spotlight of erotic thrillers which was this movie called call me um which isn't necessary it has some voyeuristic aspects to it but it's very much about like two people choosing to get involved with each other's lives even at a distance basically this woman keeps getting a series of erotic phone calls that at first she rejects and then like slowly starts to warm to and it's a really kind of spooky and interesting look at like the what kind of what we talked about earlier in terms of like the um I can't think of a word, word for this, but like the cooperative aspects that sometimes results in these voyeurism stories. Um, 
then I did like think of a few Giallo movies, which are kind of like along those same lines, but they're all like very much the someone's being observed and there's a big conspiracy against them, but they're at least worth mentioning along those lines. So like all the colors of the dark is a super awesome movie that definitely has like a big kind of conspiracy element to it that involves a woman being spied on same with the strange vice of Mrs. Ward. And then a big favorite of mine, the perfume of the lady in black, which is like so supernatural that I'm not even sure that there is necessarily a voyeuristic aspect, except like this woman's clearly being preyed upon by some sort of force. It's uh, real good. Um, yeah. I need to see more, um, more of the class. I mean, I've seen like, I've seen the the bird of the crystal plumage. Um, which I have not seen. I've seen it's good. I've seen the evil eye, which is the uh, Mario Baba movie that is sometimes considered like the first Giallo. Mm. Um, and I've seen um, your vice is a locked room, and only I have oh, yeah. the key or whatever it's called. I've seen that, which is a great title. That movie but, rocks. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I definitely um, the strange vice of Mrs. Ward. I actually have. Like once again, I'm just like telling them you my Blu-ray collection. Um, but Kyle Anderson, friend of the show, Kyle Anderson, who is the biggest Giallo head that I know, um, yeah. gifted me a Blu-ray of The Strange Vice of Mrs. Ward. Uh, but I have not watched it. That's very random. Why would he give you that? <laughs> um, I actually um, helped him out with a project that I don't know whatever came of it. Um, oh, okay. Early COVID, like he just he was like working on maybe this pandemic idea and I helped him out and he was like, Hey, I have, uh, an extra Blu-ray copy of strange vice of Mrs. Ward. Uh, why don't I drive over and give it to you? We're not doing anything else. So like, yeah, I masked in my driveway in probably like <laughs> July of 2020. He handed me the uh, sleazy film. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I still haven't watched it. Oh, it's good. You dig it. Okay. Um, right. I don't think I have a lot of others that I really yeah. wanted to mention the couple. Um, well, we didn't mention David Lynch at all, even though both like, Oh, sure. Blue velvet obviously has like a, a famous, you know, voyeur scene. And then, uh, lost highway has the, like Bill Pullman, like receiving a videotape of someone coming into his house while he, and right. His wife are, are, are sleeping. Yeah. I, can't um, I didn't think of that one, especially. Uh, yeah. And then, um, I should have mentioned this when we were talking about the erotic component to it, but, um, or the sexual component rather, but autofocus is a, uh, Oh yeah. A lot of different, uh, a lot of different, uh, kinks on display in that movie, but I haven't seen it since it was like brand new to, to DVDs. That would have been probably over 20 years ago. Yeah, I, I watched yeah. it semi recently when I went kind of on a tear of uh, Schrader films. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess one that I didn't mention in terms of like the fantastical stuff is uh, David Lowry's A Ghost Story, um, where yeah. uh, Casey Affleck becomes a ghost and then just like watches over his wife and then everyone else who's ever lived in that house and ever will. Um, yeah, what what a great movie! It's so good. Yeah, I, I saw hate it twice that... in theaters and yeah. I, I, st- I get angry at the the anti Lowry crowd. Um, I mean, I was I, one of them because I didn't like Aim Them Body Saints. Maybe yeah. I should watch it. We did the whole. Did we do a whole episode on the fraudulent directors thing, or was that? I think so. Was a, a top a top of show topic? Yeah, but you reminded me that there was a time that I was a young whippersnapper. And I didn't like Christopher Nolan or David Fincher or Wes Anderson, <laughs> and I've come around on two and a half of those <laughs> <laughs> we'll get you there um yeah. uh but so yeah but it still bothers me if people like uh like obviously david lowry's got some made some good movies i'm not saying he's like one of the greats but come on a ghost yeah. story is great i liked i liked the green knight a lot i understand a lot of people have criticisms with it that i am fine with but don't agree with yeah, the Green Knight's the one I'm most mixed on. Usually I'm like love it or hate it with uh Lowry. The Green Knight's like there's a lot of stuff there that I'm really all about. Um that whole segment of the uh woman who either doesn't have a head right away or eventually is revealed not to have a head, whatever the case there, that I was like completely on board with. Um but the time got to like the sort of last temptation-ish ending. I just felt like it wasn't really pulling that off as well as I would have thought it could. Um mm-hmm. 
I can't remember what else wasn't working for me there. I mean, it might've just been a general vibe, which is usually the case with David Lauer and me of like, I, you know, you're doing, you're doing your thing well, and you're getting there. It's just, it's just not a thing that I'm that into. Hmm. Yeah, I get uh, that. Um, well, we didn't, well, we kind of half mentioned, but not as a result as a segment of this topic, but um, the climax of sounds of the lambs where he's like watching her through the night vision. Right. Um, yeah. That's some, that's some good watching some other people's stuff. Yeah. Uh, Tyler was actually telling me at, at the facility that he's at, he was watching. He's actually watched Silence of the Lambs like twice. Sure. Uh, um, uh, like this year already. Yeah. Um, but he's saying he was watching it. And during that sequence, uh, one of the like nurse aides poked his head in to uh, make sure that Tyler wasn't watching porn. Because it's basically <laughs> just like, a woman breathing heavily <laughs> sure <laughs> for like five full minutes yeah <laughs> um right. i uh i've long wanted to and really like now is the time i should be doing this but i've long wanted to take a short period of time of like a month and just like watch one movie several times over um so i, I get where Tyler's come from and repeatedly watching sounds yeah i mean i mean that is a great idea i've uh, I don't know if we'll ever be able to go back to doing our commentary marathons for the Patreon that we used to They're do. I loved, yeah. I loved doing them, but uh, who knows when we'll be able to do it. But that was the one I, the thing I always wanted to do was to, instead of like finding four movies that have a, a loose grouping or whatever, just picking one movie and watching it four times in a row. Yeah. That would be so exciting to me. I pitched Young Guns 2 as a joke. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that aside, I think there, it, it was interesting to like, when I was first thinking of this years and years ago, it was interesting to consider the types of movies that I think would hold up to that exercise better than others. Um, and I'm not sure that there's a distinctive characteristic among them. Um, except that I think most of them would probably have a lot of plot involved. Um, okay. And well, I, um, there are three movies I can think of, and this was all when I was a teenager, that I actually did like watch it and immediately rewind the VHS and watch it again. Mm -hmm. um, and I stand by those movies to varying degrees. Uh, Days and Confused, I watched. I watched. Sure. I, I watched that tw twice in a row, and then that the next night I watched it twice in a row again. I watched it four times in less oh, than wow. 20, 24 hours before I had to return the videotape, but I just love days and confused and I continue to, that's the one of these that I think is still uh pulp fiction. I also um, immediately rewound and watched again. Uh, and then the other one that comes to mind of all things, the way of the gun. Uh, I mean, if you're at but, a certain age and you yeah. really feel on it, sure. Yeah. If you're 19 or whatever I was. Yeah. Yeah. yeah 18, 19. Yeah. I don't know. Have you ever done that? Like immediately watched a movie again? The the only time I think I did that is at AFI Fest. And the very couple first couple of years I went, they used to have a press lounge. And in that press lounge, you could check out and watch in that press lounge. Um, not all their movies, but quite a few of them. Hmm. Um, so I, I couldn't fit The Strange Little Cat into my viewing schedule, but I watched it in there. And it's an hour long movie that's a total delight and it's very okay. dense and kind of hard to unpack. And I had another hour to, after that that was completely free. So I was like, eh, just watch it again. And so I did that. I'm realizing um, I did it. If you count this, I did it again within the last five years. Okay. Uh, but it was, I was watching something while I was taking care of stuff on my computer and it ended and I still had a bunch of work to do. So I just hit play on the Blu ray again. Uh, and that's Calvary. Oh, so, sure. Yeah. Which is a movie that I find, I mean, even though it's like incredibly depressing, I find very, very watchable. Well, it's very funny too. It is very funny. Yeah. Um, yeah. The closest I've gotten with this exercise of late is that I've seen Basic Instinct five times in the past two years. <laughs> All right. That's pretty good. Yeah. It's pretty good. Um, um, yeah. I've seen, I mean, I've seen Babylon four times and it just came out last oh, wow. December or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I, I, I mean, I. I guess yeah, I, I saw Inherent Vice. I saw yeah. Inherent Vice five times in a theater. Oh wow! I think yeah. I think my record for movies I've seen in the theater uh, is four, and that's Signs and that Shyamalan Signs, which I feel like there was a time that I had to like 
defend that movie, but I feel like people have come around on oh, yeah. Night Shyamalan in general. Obviously, Signs has the whole Mel Gibson thing, and that's a different thing, but this was before that. Yeah. <laughs> before we knew about all that that came out. You were just so obsessed uh, with Mel Gibson. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I've seen The Matrix three times in the theater. Sure. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure what else is up there on that. I've seen plenty of stuff twice, more stuff than I could even. Oh, yeah, for sure. That would be impossible to think of. Um, yeah. Um, recently, I saw, uh, somewhat recently within the last few years, saw Pablo Lorraine's Emma twice in the theater <laughs> because I, I saw it at Toronto. And then a year later, Natalie and I were in, or like, no, two years later, Natalie and I were in Seattle and it was finally like having its theatrical run. Sure. And there's like a cool little theater that we wanted to go to. And that's just what was playing. And I was like, yeah, I'll go see Emma again. I don't get, I don't get your love of that film, but God, God bless you. <laughs> Run with it. Yeah. Um, all right. There's a couple more that I just want to make mention of. Okay. Um, the first is, uh, speaking of problematic people, but Woody Allen's best movie, another woman, um, at least to my mind is about, um, Gina Rowland's plays, a writer, who's having trouble kind of focusing at home. She's in the midst of um, writing. She's like a professor. So some academic work. It's not like a novel that she's writing, but it's some book. Um, so she rents out a space to get her writing done. And it turns out there's a therapist's office next door to that. And they share a vent through which she can hear um, most of the appointments and becomes kind of obsessed with uh, Mia Farrow's life in hearing um, her talk about her life through uh, to a therapist and then I'm interested of course that uh, folds into her following Mia Farrow and kind of getting more directly involved with her life but it's so it's very very short it's like 85 minutes long or something like that and is uh, it's often described as Woody Allen's shortest least funny and one of his best movies and I completely agree with all three of those um, and Gina Rollins is amazing in it um, Letter from an Unknown Woman I think at least kind of qualifies um, it's about uh, a woman following played by uh, John Fontaine following uh, James Mason around. He lives in the same building that she does. And she just becomes kind of obsessed with uh, the various comings and goings. The title, the, f the film gets its title. Well, it's based on a short story by Stefan Zweig. Um, the title is that she wrote him this letter after she's died detailing all that she did in terms of following around and becoming obsessed with them. Um really incredible it's a great adaptation the story is great too but it's a really good adaptation of it um and then oh just for fun the burbs where tom hanks and uh oh, yeah his neighborhood pals uh spy on henry gibson and his demonic activities yeah i forgot about yeah the burbs is is good but then there's also like cory feldman's thing where his like uh just watching the neighborhood is like more fun than any like yeah. TV show or movie that he just like invites people over and has a party so they can watch the neighbors. Yeah. Uh, God, what a great movie. It's um, so good. Yeah. And then I guess it would be nothing. It would be uh, wrong of me not to at least mention Disturbia. Uh, yeah. Which is a, a real I, I've not take. seen it, but yeah, it's not, it's not bad. Um, okay. Uh, I mean, it's, it's Shia, right? Yeah. Um, and he's good. And then the um the uh Raymond Burr or whatever, the the person he's right. convinced is a murderer is David Morse, who's one of my all time favorite characters. Oh sure. So yeah, he looks like he killed somebody. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well yeah, David that's what I like about David Morse is he can be like incredibly intimidating or sometimes he can play like the softest, nicest totally. man in uh the world. He was uh um, on uh, on Treme, the HBO series to Treme, he was like, um, a good cop. That's how you know it's a fictional story. But, um, <laughs> but he was like a just a really really nice comforting man. All right, that's it, right? Um, and this is more news. Oops, sorry, my, I opened the wrong web page. Um, I'll just throw out a quick love for In the City of Sylvia, which I've mentioned before, but is literally just about a guy walking around the city, notices a girl, and decides to follow her. That is the extent of the plot. There's no conspiracy he stumbles on. Uh, it's just about the pleasure of walking around a nice city and seeing a beautiful woman. And it's so good. <laughs> that does sound good. Uh, all right. Well, 
we did it. You can find us at battleshipretention.com. You can uh, check out my other podcast, the one where I met your mother. That's also at battleshipretention.com. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter and Blue Sky at Davey Pretension. You can email me at david at battleshipretension.com. And of course, check out Tyler uh, at More Lessons or or on Facebook. That's where he's uh, um, where he's updating. Uh, where, where can people find you? Uh, Twitter and Blue Sky, Real of Tomorrow, Letterboxd, my name. And got a few reviews up on the website. Um, I yeah. reviewed uh, The Creator, which is out by the time you're hearing this. Um, well, right now as we're recording this. Oh, yeah. I guess it would have come out tonight because I, I, I always forget about these like Thursday releases. I don't care for it. Yeah, um, but um, yeah, I, uh, yeah, we, as I mentioned, work was a very busy day today. So as of this recording, I have not added the creator to Rotten Tomatoes yet, but I will add you with you. Somebody's uh, got to write down that percentage. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then a uh, French film called Saturn Bowling. That's really good. Um, and then I'll have reviews up, not by the time you're hearing this, but the next couple of days for the Royal Hotel and Almodovar, A Strange Way of Life. And nice. maybe one other. I'm waiting to see if I'll get in to see Foe at a screening on Monday. So we'll see. Okay. All right. Uh, well, thank you uh, at home for listening. And uh, yeah, we'll get you next time. Bye.